Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast where we talk about goalies and eventually figure out topics that we'll cover on a week-to-week basis. My name is Ben Cernick. As always, I'm here with Jamie Phillips and additionally, a special guest. Jamie, who do we have? We have our first guest. So when we were thinking about who to get on and the series of guests, got no one better than our goalie coach growing up, uh, Derek Bujan. Derek, thanks for joining the Goalie Science podcast. So introduce yourselves, tell, us, tell the listeners, viewers who you are what you do and why that you, why are you our first guest? Well, I'm honored to be the first guest to say the least. Uh, my name is Derek Bougian of Bougian Goaltending. Uh, I am, I am the reason these two are the way they are probably. I've had, I started coaching both of you guys when you're about 11 or 12 years old until the kind of conclusion of your playing days. Uh, and I, I got to say, I'm pretty proud to see how far you guys have taken it and the steps you guys have made along the way and kind of continue doing this and watching this podcast grow and watching your careers grow. And that's kind of that's kind of the dream of the goalie coaching kind of gig is the chances of anybody making the NHL are pretty low. Uh, Jamie, you got a little bit of a dabble at it. and uh, But to see that you guys are going into your mid-30s now and old guys, but going into your mid-30s and still in the sport, loving the position and now passing that knowledge along is is pretty much the reward that we all can ask for at the beginning of this so uh yeah good luck or um congratulations on that fellas and guy from the outside is pretty pretty proud and pretty impressed with what you guys have been doing Jamie's the nicest thing Derek's ever said to us yeah but it's only for him it's all it's only in a public forum but well I definitely really appreciate that and we say it all the time that you know we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for you so one of the things that we wanted to dive in is you've been goalie coaching for probably what 25 years how long now let's not get carried away 25 years i'm 38 years old so i don't know maybe 13 uh i started goalie coaching last year playing junior and i was just kind of trading teaching for a session so that would have been in 2004 so but for so 20 years um and i didn't get into it till full time like 100% all in 
until about 2019. So I, I dabbled in it for a while, kind of did it as like a little side hustle thing, but now it's like, this is the career. This is a full-time thing and doing this full-time. So yeah, over those 20 years, we've definitely seen a lot of goalies, a lot of, a lot of good goalies come through and a lot of changes in the sport and the changes in how we coach. Uh, but it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And that's actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask you. So as someone who's been involved in coaching for as long as you have, I mean, obviously Ben and I have been, you know, we've did a similar thing where we would coach, uh, you know, add on ice with you basically exchange for lessons, but you have had different almost eras of goalies and you continually get younger goalies. What have you seen as terms of what's, what's changed over the years in terms of goalie coaching and goalie development? Well, I always try to go in about four-year blocks of evolution. So uh, you guys would, would have been in that kind of first. Jamie, you were you were probably a B first that we kind of had a plan at the beginning. Um, back then, it was very much the bigger equipment, the 12-inch pads, which you know you guys talked about in your last episode. Um, so the way we kind of taught was different. It was a lot more of a blocking style, a lot less kind of reading and release and reacting. It was get in position, get into a butterfly, and get hit. And then as the game changed and sped up and the rules in the NHL changed, the way we had to adapt, the way we coached changed. And we went to a little bit smaller equipment, which I love what you said because I laughed. I said the same thing is they, they try to make our equipment smaller to create more goals and all it did was make better goalies. Uh, so we went from more of a blocking kind of not tracking to now we had to be a little bit better skaters, a little bit more get in position early and react. That was kind of the next phase of goaltending. Then we really, the industry really dove into kind of box control and RVH and technique and stuff like that. And that took it to another level. And now I think we're going into a new kind of era where we've kind of meshed everything together. And it's now all of those phases are kind of coming into now. So now you need the skill development is more of a priority than ever because the speed of the game and the equipment evolution on the player side uh skill development with the player side is at an all-time high like if you think about 20 years ago you could think of maybe two or three skills coaches now i can think of 20 skills coaches within 20 minutes driving distance where i am and they're teaching scoring so we have to adapt as the players get better so just over the course of 20 years sorry my cat is here get out of here kitty. uh just over the course of 20 years how much has changed just on our end um, and where we're going to go in the future, who knows, but it's, uh, it's definitely evolving and we have to keep adapting, evolving and try to stay ahead of what's going to happen in terms of the game, but also what's going to happen in terms of skill development. Booge, was there ever like, you know, across all those, I guess, transition periods, was there ever something that you found was like one of the biggest concepts that's been hard to, to teach at any point? Was there any something, cause I know that there's some things that, uh, like, Jamie, I talked about how we struggle communicating some stuff with goalies just based on it's a hard thing to do. Is there been something throughout this period that jumps out to you that was like one of the hardest things to get people on board with or still one of the hardest things to get people on board with? I think in the beginning, I think downskating was, I think, a hard thing for guys to want to do because they didn't see the value in it. I remember the first time I was doing it with Jamie, Jamie was kind of huffing and puffing. But, you know, like, look at it now. Like, look at the... I think it was just out of shape. Well, <laughs> so it wasn't something that you were eager to do. But the down skating evolution now is if, if 
if you don't post a downskating video on the internet, you're not getting any likes, right? Like that's kind of where we've come over the last 10 years. Uh, but in terms of, and you guys said this in your pod a couple weeks ago, the hardest thing to teach, and I honestly believe that we can't teach this as goalie coaches, is positioning. Like it's something that we can teach them what it is and when to use it and show them as much video as we want. But it's a feeling. It's an instinct. And you, as a goalie, you just know if you're in position or if you know you're not. And as goalie coaches, we can't go and move them and put them on angle. They're either on angle or they're not. And until they until they develop that feel, that's not a that's not something that we can teach them. Like spatial awareness is something that they have to develop through exposure over and over and over again. And that's the ten thousand rule. And that's not something we can teach. And that's just something that they have to develop. So, and just like their instincts too. Like guys in the NHL, they don't they're not cookie cutter as much as we want to pretend like some of them are. Uh, they do a lot of the same things, but their instincts, knowing if a guy coming coming down off a of one-on-one is going to drive the net or come around, like all of that is, it happens so quick in the blink of an eye that those are things that we can't teach. And it's it's frustrating because we want to, but we just, we're, we can't do everything. It's uh, it's always a, it's a great point. I think like the, the thing, even with that, like reading or instincts around what a player is going to do is a, a really good call because we always see the goal or we see the goal of the highlight where like a, a goalie misreads a transition, like a one-on-one net drive where he like goes into an RVH too early, gets scored on. But we don't see how many times he did that right during the game before. Cause it's just not an exciting play, right? The players doesn't shoot the puck because he plays it properly. And it's, it's stuff like that. I think as goalie coaches where we're looking for it, we're like, Oh, he's really efficient at taking away that, that play all the time. Um, but that one's you're right. People don't, you don't even look at that unless you're, you're talking about it. Yeah, like an RVH goal, right? You get scored on short side in an RVH goal, and you're going to see that replay 40 times on ESPN or Sportsnet the next day. In reality, that same exact play has a 99 save percentage. So they're not showing the other 99 saves. They're just showing that one goal and then having a summit on why we need to change the way we coach or the way we play the game. And that's where it's like, it's as a goalie coach, sometimes we want to bang our head against the wall. But... In our little bubble, we kind of get, we understand that, but it's just outside that bubble. And then the biggest thing for us as goalie coaches, when we, especially when we get into a team setting, is our communication with the head coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that goalie gives up that goal, you're going to get, you're going to get reamed in the intermission. And then it's not like, well, he stopped it 99 times before that. It's, well, he let the last one in. So, but that's our job. That's, that's what we've signed up for. And it's never yeah. going right, to We've, Ben and I have talked about how goalie coaches are that bridge between the goalie and the head coach. And it's crazy. I mean, it's a really important job to be a good communicator and to be basically an ally for your goalie. But getting out of that, you know, knowing that sometimes you're going to have to fall on the sword. And I think that's best because, you know, it's our responsibility to take that quote unquote responsibility from the goalie. But I had a, I had a junior guy that I work with. He was frustrated because a college coach, had uh had reached out to him and it's like hey super interested we really like you but you know the one thing i don't know is is can you make the, can you make backdoor saves and i was he asked me and i was like what do you what do you mean can you make backdoor saves he's like i, I don't know he just said i don't you just doubted my ability to make backdoor saves it's like we spent all season putting you in position so you don't have to make backdoor saves that's if you're not making a lot of backdoor saves because you're already controlling the game like that's what we want so it's our job to be able to articulate and 
basically show the strengths of goalies and show where their weaknesses are. Um, so with that, you, you, you mentioned it briefly in terms of coaching now is a lot of, you know, you know, box control and RVH and coaching is developed. Where, I don't want to say where do you think coaching is going to go, but like, what, what do you think are some of the upsides and some of the downsides of really, like, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of goalie coaches right now. There's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of so-so ones. What are some of the positives? What are some of the negatives to just having so like access to so many coaches at the moment? Well, to get thing, one thing clear is even if you have a so-so goalie coach, you have something. I didn't have a goalie coach on my team in my entire career ever, unless I went outside to get development. So even having somebody there during a practice or a game to bounce ideas off of is a positive. Um, I read a book once and it really kind of made sense to me is you could have a 10 year old kid play a 60 minute game and not have a conversation with an adult for 90 minutes. So probably 15 minutes before 15 minutes after they don't talk about the game or have any dialogue on kind of what happened until they get in the car with mom and dad. Now we can talk about whether that dialogue in the car with mom and dad is positive or negative, but you get immediate feedback every single shift if you're a player. So if you're taking 30 shifts, you come off the ice, immediately the coach is in there with the board correcting you or talking to you. You have immediate feedback. You can get scored on the first minute in a game as a 10-year-old, and you don't talk to an adult for an hour after that. So having any sort of goalie coach on your team, whether they're in, whether they're an NHL goalie coach or a dad helping you out, can't be a negative, number one. Uh, in terms of there are so many goalie coaches, if if there wasn't a demand for it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. So if there's a thousand goalie coaches in your area, that means that there's a demand for it. So they're bringing you some value. When you're looking for a goalie coach, find the one that brings you the most value, and you have and that's your responsibility to find the goalie coach that best fits your game, best fits your personality, and it's going to help you get to the top. As a goalie coach, all we can do is offer the most value, but not change who we are for the goalie. It's the goalie's responsible to find the goalie coach perfect for them. And then that's where it gets into like goalie coaches recruiting goalies and stuff like, you know what, like that that's a mistake I did back in the back at the beginning of my career when I was trying to grow and get clients and, you know, make, make this a, a business and a career. And since then, I've, it doesn't work. Like, it really doesn't work if a goalie coach is going out and recruiting you. Uh, I firmly believe that the goalie has to go and find their goalie coach, not the other way around. So it, it's – and there's options everywhere. Like, I'm, I'm really trying hard not to say the wrong thing because there's a lot of guys that I respect in this business and uh, in the coaching world, and I don't want to say something that kind of, you know, misleads people. Um, but I really do believe that, you know, it's on the goalie to find the goalie coach that best fits them. And we've talked in the past, me and you, JV, that, you know, we, we tell guys, you can skate with multiple goalie coaches. That's not an issue. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with skating with multiple guys. But if, if you think the grass is greener with somebody else, that's not necessarily always true. So just caution on once you find the guy that is helping you play and helping you improve and you're constantly climbing the mountain, have faith in that plan and continue along that path until you, until it either you don't not get any better or you've got to the top of the mountain and 
now the career's over and you guys can kind of move on to what you guys have been doing. Yeah, like I, I mean, I agree with all of that so wholeheartedly, right? Jamie and I always say, yeah, go skate with a bunch of people because again, as, as coaches, you need to be confident in what you're providing too, right? Like that's like any business, right? Like if you really believe in yourself as a coach and the product that you create, like, yeah, kids should go see if, if they find someone else that they, or try other things, or it makes sense for mom and dad or whoever to try to help them try other stuff. That's totally normal. But, and I, I kind of know what you're, you're getting around with and, and trying to, to tiptoe around the, the topic a little bit, because at the end of the day, like most of the people we work with are, are kids right and there's definitely some people uh that shouldn't be working with kids all the time that's that's just the nature of the world so i it's a bit of a sensitive topic sometimes because at the end of the day like you mentioned right off the start is that like you you want to see people grow like that is a job as and for any coach is to to support the person through sport and out of sport throughout that process and sometimes it's not always the best. And I'm like, I think that's something that should be raised as well. It's like just knowing that, yeah, go see other goalie coaches. And if you're with someone and you, you know, you don't have the right feeling with it, there's nothing wrong with switching. But like you said, be aware that grass, grass looks different colors for depending where you are sometimes too. Right. And I think, I think my coaching styles, I feel it's very different from a lot of other guys. Um, So it's, it's, if you're getting kind of the, if you're getting the exact same thing from the three, three or four different guys, then why are you seeing three or four different guys and getting the same thing? But if you're going to see two guys and their coaching styles may be different, but on the same, on the same wavelength, right? That's what you want. You can't have two guys that are completely teaching you different concepts and different ideologies. Um, but you have to have two guys that mesh and that's on the goal to, to understand whether those two things are meshing together. Um, but I, I feel like I spend a lot of a lot of my development and it's getting younger and younger in the development phase curve now for me, where I'm teaching options and I'm teaching I'm teaching different options. And I didn't do that a lot in the past, but I don't I don't know if I have a drill that I run that doesn't have at least one option for the puck handler, whether it's a shot pass, he can move one this way or that way. And I feel like that has changed quite a bit in my coaching style. And I'm definitely now starting to see kind of the rewards of that because the last, I'd say, 18 months, the development that I've seen on a lot of my guys that I've had for a long time have really shot up. And that's something I'm going to keep continuing doing. And now I've kind of even gone younger where even my guys that are going to be playing U9 and U10 this year are doing drills with options. And we've always, as goalie coaches, we know, and it's like, man, that goalie looks great in training, but he can't play the game. Well, I want to stop saying that about my guys. It's like, man, that guy looks terrible in training. Man, he's a gamer, right? Like, that's the thing. Because the scouts are coming to the games. They're not coming to watching training sessions, guys. Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good point. So, like, when I, you know, when I do my my goalie sessions here, one of the things I have a hard time doing is getting shooters. Because in the past, they're like, well, we just don't, we don't want to be told where to shot, to shoot, excuse me. And I, I I always try to explain that I don't I almost never add in a shot where the goalie knows where the puck's going, even at a young age, unless they're you know U nine U ten and they're really struggling with their glove or block or something. Then you can always have a shot that leads them in a direction. But just having the ability with the make that goalie have to react is so important in terms of just understanding how to stop the puck because even at the U nine U ten. They don't tell you where the puck is going. 
So why we spend all our times with, I'm going to shoot to your glove, I'm going to shoot to your low blocker. Like, I, I, I guess like we just kind of took it for what it was at, when we were like years ago and we're like, okay, that makes sense. But like, I, like you said, as you grow, like the options and the ability to read the play, the ability to react has become so essential in the game that we can't not start training that at such a young age. So I think that's a really, really important point that, that you put out. Like what, what was the catalyst for you for kind of like realizing, okay, like we need to make that switch from a more structured into a more dynamic play reading type of training session? I think that started your last year of playing and it was, uh, it kind of happened by accident with your training partner that summer, uh, Evan Butenhouse. And um, he came in and he had a really, like he had a pretty good package, like super athletic, big, looked much more like a goalie than you did skating. And when you look at out of the career path and the way you guys went, it was, you were always a little bit ahead of him. But when you put you guys on a training session, and if anybody didn't know who you, the two of you were, every single guy would have been like, man, Evan is way better than Jamie. And I'm not saying this is disparage him or you. I'm just, this is where this catalyst came from. And um, we spent a lot of the time just trying to get him to read the release and he was doing pretty good. And then he went to the Islanders uh, prospect camp and we, he came back and he, he didn't play very well. He was really frustrated with how, because he felt really good going in because of all the training sessions. And I just kind of thought like, what does Jamie do so much better than Evan? Because they don't look, they don't look similar when they're training. And with you, it was your instincts. It was your ability to read the game. It was your ability to see the game in slow motion. He had the advantage on you in every single skill set you could imagine. But you were just a better goalie at that time. And that's kind of where things changed. And it was the week after that New York Islanders kind of prospect camp where I'm like, okay, I got to make a change with this guy in this training to get him to be better when he goes to play games. So we did, we made a change. And over the two or three years that I worked with him, he kept getting better, getting better, getting better until he was an ECHL all-star, had a couple call-ups in the AHL, got some offers in Norway. And he's, he's a career kind of mid-pack pro guy, but he's really changed the way he's played. And that was kind of the catalyst for me to really change the way that I was coaching at that time. And it kind of came back to like literally that summer with you and Evan. Yeah, it's, I guess like it's funny that you say that because like you and I will talk about how I like we know that I wasn't that great at a lot of things, most things. But yes, I had whatever that it factor was when it came to reading the game, it came to instincts. And it's also one of the reasons that I, I drove myself crazy because I kept trying to prove everything and I should have just accepted the fact that I was good at other things and let's build upon that and stay happy when playing hockey. Um, but like when you're looking at you know, looking at the future of goalie development, I think this is something that's really kind of intrigued me as someone who's going to take more of a role in, in youth hockey development and minor hockey development going forward. Like, I'm always thinking about, like, what can I do in order to create the most, the largest crop of really good goalies that are going to have success within a program? And so whether that's on the, you know, the private goalie coaching side or the team goalie coaching side, like, where do you think the evolution of goalie coaching is going to go? Or is that a place where this is the pinnacle of coaching? Well, I think I think every year we've always believed we're in the pinnacle of goaltending. That's never changed. And 
if you go back to 2010, we believe that that was the best goaltending of all time. We go back to 1995, same thing. And I think we were, I think we were right to believe that at that point. I think today, this is the best goaltending in the world that the world has ever seen in the games of hockey. And we would be right. In 10 years, we're going to say the same thing. It's constantly going to keep getting better. How things are going to change, man, I I don't know. Like, we'll see. And I mean, it's like young, creative, eager minds like you two that are probably going to come up with the next thing. And then kind of old, crusty dinosaurs like me are going to be like, man, that kind of makes sense. And we're going to steal it and pass it off as our own. That's kind of the way it works. And we'll start teaching it and we'll start talking about it. Um, but I don't know, is it going to go more towards virtual reality training, like the Sensorina thing? Um, is it going to go more towards vision training, which I think, like, I still think we're just dabbling in the vision training thing. I think there's way more there than we've hit yet. We'll see, like, what's going to happen with equipment? What's going to happen with rule changes? I don't know where we're going to go, but it's going to go somewhere. And we're all going to have to adapt. And I think that's the one thing that makes this really fun is, like I said at the very beginning of this chat, over 20 years, I've had to change the way I coach three or four times. So we'll see. We'll see. Because as goal is, it's sometimes we try to think, or we try to, we try to reinvent the wheel and we don't need to. But when we have to reinvent because of rule changes, that's when we, I think, do our best work. Like the stick shaving thing that we talked about yesterday, like stuff like that. Wait, let's let's not even get to that. Jamie, you're wrong. Right. Derek, 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 you're right. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that that was actually my, my next question. But Ben, I know you popped up, so I'll let you let you go in a second. I was gonna say, like, at what point, you know, where do you for a lot of people like you always want to progress and you want to develop. And you said, don't reinvent the wheel. That's something that we've said a lot. It's something that you and I, Derek, talk about in terms of if something's not broken, like why are we trying to fix it? You know, I think the best example for me, in my in my opinion, so I'm saying this is opinion, the Panda save, the Panda execution, you know, isn't solving anything. It's basically just trying to put a Band-Aid on a play, a post-play that can be corrected by better reads better ability to you know execute save selection so how do you do you you know how do you dance that line between like progress for the sake of progress or progress out of necessity is it just something you identify or you just keep keep working with the status quo until something doesn't work and then you reassess and readjust well i think i think like an example of the panda or the stick thing or box control I think it is something, number one, it is fun to see on the internet. Now, if goalie coaches are posting this and this is all they're doing, that's an issue. But if a goalie coach posts two or three videos in a week because he spent 20 minutes in one class teaching this concept, that's fine, right? And we don't see that behind the scenes. But to me, like trying to trying to teach the panda, and I was thinking about in terms of uh, return on investment. If I'm gonna, if my return on investment of eight hours of teaching the panda, what am I missing in those other seven hours so they could be doing something that is going to help this goalie progress further? I don't want to spend eight hours teaching this one move. Sure, it may have some value at some point in the game, but 
why am I spending so much time on this one thing when it's just it's just a tool in the toolbox? So guys have to understand that. Same with box control. Like a lot of I've had a lot of kids come to me. Actually, a lot of a lot of parents come to me lately and ask like, "Oh, do you do you pull out the leashes and teach these guys box control?" My answer is like, "Yeah, I do it once at the beginning of the summer for twenty minutes." And if I explain it properly, I should never have to do it again. But I know a couple guys that spend four or five hours a week with the ropes out and go is making saves with the ropes out, jamming and filling the box. It's like, teach it once. Let them it's see it. Let them understand the concept. Now they have it and then move on. And, and, and bring all those concepts together to make one total package of a goaltender. So that's kind of my thought process on that. Yeah, I just want to be like preface something. So like I've skated with a lot of goalie coaches in my in my life and I continue to meet and interact and stuff. But I, I do think that you have the unique advantage where you are incredibly good at communicating and breaking complex topics down into very simple things. So I can see why, you know, a box control lesson for you takes 20 minutes because you're able to identify you know, what do I need to cover? What is this goalie actually absorbing and understanding? And how can I say it in a way that's going to get through to everybody? So you're, you're very, very good at that. But I do agree that sometimes we too try to overkill a lot of things, or you see someone in Sweden doing box control with one of their pros. And all of a sudden, everything I need to do is box control with my pros, or I'm only doing RVH attacks, or like when I, you know, I think I do think it's funny where I started posting a lot of overlap to RVH videos and how like we talked about that's a really important transition. And now everyone's posting RVH to overlap drills and which is good because most people are very bad at it. So I'm actually glad that that that, that's happening. But, you know, in in a world where everyone's like communicating and connected, it it is important to try to see the forest from the trees and not get caught up in what is what is everyone else doing in coaching and what do my goalies need in order to to get them better now ben I, I cut you off like twice so like i know you had a question so throw it throw it out there i mean i'm i actually am really happy where that conversation went i'm also really happy anytime anyone brings up overlap to rvh like we've been we were spoiled in the playoffs so far with that like philip gustafson one of the best in the world at it actually Bobrovsky, one of the best in the world at it um it's really fun to as a goalie coach and as a former goalie to like just watch those guys do those things because you watch it in a game and you don't think anything of it. Like most people would not even notice it. But when we see it, we're like, how how did he do it that cleanly over and over again? And so my question that I thought we'd kind of end on, um, because we all grew up with this, but like to me, Sergei Bobrovsky was one of the biggest influences on me growing up, right? He broke into the league when I was 14. Jamie, you would have been 15. Derek, you would have been like, again, just really getting into work. Yeah. Always. Like, yeah, <laughs> on your, on your second retirement, um, but I wanted to hear Booge's opinion. I've been a, like, Sergey Rossi, one of the most influential goalies on me my whole life. I've been so happy to see this run for him. Uh, he got paid when he deserved to get paid, and now he's playing like he deserves to be paid. And He was just a hibernation, know. man. He got paid, went to South Florida to get, <laughs> hey, we're not that great. I don't have to play. And all of a sudden, you get a run and takes off. Yeah, Booge, I wanted to hear. Are you, have you had fun watching the Bobrovsky run? Well, let's preface, preface this answer with I'm a Leaf fan, so... Was it fun watching Bobrovsky in the second round? No. 
Uh, is it fun now? Yes. Like, Dabrowski was a punchline for the last three years. Yeah. Like, he's a guy who backed up Alex Lyon in the first three or four games of the first round. Like, wasn't even getting a sniff. Jamie then, beat Alex Lyon. Fun fact, Jamie's won a no career against Alex Lyon. So, so basically, I'm better than Dabrowski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but th- he was a guy that Paul Maurice didn't have that much confidence in going into that series. Like, he was hurt at the end of the year, but it's not like he had a great year. He was better this year. But he was a guy who was a punchline. This is a guy who was a two-time Vesna winner. Two-time Vesna winner, and he became a punchline. And, well, I mean, he's writing history now. He's he's writing his own story. And I want to see Florida win. I want to see the crowning moment of him getting that Smythe because he deserves it. And, uh, like, I don't know him personally, but... I've never heard a story saying that he's not a, not a good guy. And he just, to me, he's a guy who, when you watch him, you can tell he loves playing the game and he loves being a goalie. And as a goalie coach and as a fellow, as a former goalie, like that's really all you could ask for is like to watch guys that you can tell love playing the game. And there's guys in the NHL that you can, you watch and you know, like they do this because they're really good at it. They don't love it. They make a lot of money at it. But when you watch guys like Bob play, it's like, man, this guy just loves being a goalie. And that there's nothing better than that for us as guys who just love the position of goaltending to watch. So I'm having a lot of fun watching Brovsky and I'm hoping that they cap it off and he gets his he gets his uh consummate reward and he finishes his story because he deserves it. Yeah, Ben's on this like mission to about Bobrovsky seeing just childhood idol, just finally having success, but like he just loves it. But the thing is for me, as I just I just like watching good goaltending. And the things that Bobrovsky is able to do blow my mind. There was, uh, it would have been in game three or four, probably, th- I think at four, there was just this like subtle transition where he was in a butterfly overlap and then somehow was able to extend and push over to get to the back door and the shot didn't even hit the net. And I just remember rewinding that like four times and I'm just like, how, how does someone do that? And for me, that was always frustrating because I just realized I would never be able to do that no matter how hard I tried. So it's just, yeah. Uh, Boosh, thanks for joining us. We definitely really appreciate it. Where can people find you, uh, your social media, your business, like on ice? Tell us, tell everyone a little bit more about that and before we sign off. So anybody find me on Instagram at, uh, at Boujan underscore goaltending. Uh, I take Jamie a lot, chirping him, or we collaborate a lot on some of the stuff. Uh, I'm on YouTube under Boujan goaltending. Uh, I post some stuff there talking to kind of some table talk stuff with Jamie. Also um, talking to a lot of stuff is a, kind of geared towards some goalie parents. Uh, or you can look up on ice hockey performance center in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, yeah, that's, that's basically that's, that's where I am. That's where I live. I live in the great metropolis of Caledonia, Ontario. And uh, I would be there until, until I'm in the ground. Um, I feel like we had a lot of disrespect for cheering for Bobrovsky, who was undrafted out of the Russian third league. Like, we're going to just ignore that fact, Jamie. Like, I'm a... We saw 100 NHL games. Yeah. And I'll keep bringing it up. Third <laughs> Russian league. He played in Novo Kuznetsk. I don't know what that means. The more interesting story is the is the Vegas Golden Knights with their 13-string goal. <laughs> no, no, that's wow. not interesting. Stanley Cup championship, guys. This is this is a look. They lost last night. Anything's possible. Go Dallas. Um, the simple story is when you have so much more money on your roster than the cap lets you in the playoffs. You have better players in front of the goalies that you put in net. 
So the key, the key is just cheat a little bit, and you're fine. Hey, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, man. Yeah. Damn, Bailey Cup doing the same thing. <laughs> well, that look. The, well, yeah, Vasilevsky is pretty good, but yeah, the key is just pay defensemen more who play really good defense, and then Jamie can win a Stanley Cup. I like that play out a lot, actually. Now that you mention it, yeah. that makes way more sense to me. I'll go to retirement. Well, <laughs> we we really uh, we really appreciate. Uh, Appreciate you having on your insight and definitely won't be the last time. Def- I think you popped in my head. I think having another episode for goalie parents uh, would be really good because that's something that you are now a goalie parent. You are on the other side. You made the horrible decision to allow your child to be a goalie. But it's definitely, I- I'm curious to hear your thoughts of that in a larger um, in a larger setting. But so thanks everyone for listening. Like, subscribe. Um, you Give us a rating. Ben is our stats guy. And he says that ratings do help. And we appreciate them. Need those ratings. We need those ratings. Um, don't subscribe to Ben on Patreon. Subscribe to my Patreon. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks a lot. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.